Welcome to the 139th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So, Roger, you just got back from the ConnectX conference in New Orleans. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the show? It is the, the Wireless Infrastructure Association show. And it was good, right? It's not a giant show. The show floor was busy. The people there, it was busy. They had great speakers like Chris Sambar from AT&T, Nikki Palmer from Verizon, Mark Ganzi from Digital Bridge. They had Bob Mudge from, from Brightspeed. Really good attendance. They had Dave Mayo from Dish, you know, and then there were a bunch of really Good panels. And you hosted one of those panels, correct? I hosted one of those panels on on our favorite topic, which is convergence. I had Rob Alderfer from Charter, Justin Marco from Comcast, and George Arensberg from, from Verizon. It was interesting that they're all converging on, on Verizon's network with wireless. But what came out, the main theme of this was that A, the cable companies are working together because the charter speaker uh, at the main level was like talking about that charter and Comcast are roaming on each other on Wi-Fi, and that was reconfirmed by Justin and Rob, right? And they all are roaming on, on Verizon. And it was re- very interesting because it's like customers want connectivity everywhere and ideally without friction, right? And and all of them are trying to bring this to customers through a wireless and home internet bundle. You know, the Comcast and, and Charter through a, a cable home internet and then with Wi-Fi wherever they have Wi-Fi hotspots and Verizon wireless where they don't. And you know, Charter has already one market up uh, where they're trialing CBRS. You know, we would expect Comcast to do the same. Both Comcast Charter bought CBRS Spectrum and Comcast even bought 600 megahertz Spectrum. So there is a lot of Spectrum assets that they can bring to play. I mean, I think it makes sense, right? From a consumer perspective, you just need connectivity, be it either your laptop or your your computer or your phone or your TV or your car, it doesn't really matter, right? You just you just want connectivity, and, and it's kind of silly to pay multiple companies for that if you don't have to, right? Well, it depends, right? There are some best-of-breed solutions, right? And there are, but shame on you if you can't get a, a bundle together that's better than, uh, than, than the consumer adding it together. What's really interesting for Ryzen is, right, they have here in the Northeast, their fiber footprint with Fios, which um, I'm a very happy customer of, free advertising, right? And then they have FWA, where they are rolling it out right now in in large markets, but I would expect that to be pretty nationwide by the end of the year. And they're, they're going to try and bundle this. But like in a true Verizon way, they tell you which solution is the right one for you rather than you picking it. Right. Well, they don't even brand them separately, right? This is called exactly. Verizon Internet, right? 
So exactly. So what was also interesting at the at the show was Nikki Palmer announced that she was she was leaving. She announced it like the day before. And people were like asking me, did she get pushed out? Did they, you know, what happened? And I'm like, guys, Nikki, who I deeply respect and 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 like, and she's a great person and a great executive, right? Was chief network officer. And when Hans took over, Hans made the choice of picking somebody else to be the the person who runs everything and she became chief product officer and then she became chief product ambassador right and what a lot of things happen when you have uh, very distinguished in individuals right they all sit on a lot of options and a lot of restricted stock and they get a a job that is still important but you know they wait for 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 their their packages to to fully mature, and then they ride in the sunset. And this happens at Verizon, this happens at, at AT&T, this happens at T-Mobile, right? And so for me, it was a question of when does Nikki step into the next part of her career rather than what the heck happened here. What was also very interesting was Dave Mayo, who is the executive network de- development, basically saying that, after they made the June deadline, they will not build out for the time being. And that comes on the heels of of Dish basically saying in the earnings call that the U.S. debt markets are basically close to them. And with all the other scheduled, but that was about the best news that came out. There were like a lot of other things. Well, so in fairness, we should revisit our prediction around net ads for, for Boost. I know we had said that they, we thought that they were going to be negative. They were negative, but they were not as negative as some folks may have thought, right? So, And they were better than what I thought. And we, we looked up in our net promoter scores, and they're now a lot better than they were last year. And so... When I tweeted that, some people said, like, yeah, all the unhappy people left, which is partially true, right? But I think they also made progress. So you have to give credit where credit is is due. But but still, you know, the voters seem still not to be working, right? And then, you know, that June 23rd deadline is like, what constitutes service? Is it just 35 megabits per second data connection? Is that service? I don't think so. But nowhere is defined in in these commitment letters what is really service. Is it like voice service, but then the boner doesn't work? Right? And and Dish said like and, and was like pretty sandbagging in their in their earnings that there might be penalties, right? So we don't know how the FCC and the DOJ will react if the WONA doesn't work, is falling back onto T-Mobile and AT&T service, you know, sufficient? Well, I mean, I think there's a couple of issues, right? There's the regulatory angle, right? Are they going to fulfill whatever the regulation is? And I think, as you're saying, the the requirements are, are murky at best in terms of what that would actually mean. But there's also the finance angle in terms of, you know, if they need more liquidity, where do they get it from if the financial markets are effectively closed to them, right? So they've got 
some things they're working on. The world is a big place, I would say, right? And if you if you can't get money from the public markets in the U.S., I would expect somebody as entrepreneuring and and driven as as Charlie Ergen to find other places. You know, it's like where in the world is Charlie Ergen, right? And you know, I'm sure he will. He will find somebody somewhere who to to willing to help him out. The question is like, do they know Charlie Ergen, right? Yeah. Somebody somebody needs to do some tracking like they did on Elon for Charlie's jet, so we can know where he's going to get his financing from, right? Right. We don't know, but I would say that 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 is like the number one priority for Dish these days. So that was ConnectX. There's also some other big news that just came out recently. Gigapower closed. Uh, this is a joint venture between BlackRock and AT&T. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the announcement came out Thursday last week. What was that? May 11th that this closed and that they're going to build out in, in several markets. And it's an open access commercial system. So Gigapower is building out these markets, and then AT&T and other entities can buy. AT&T is the corner client, but then other entities can buy connectivity for that and launch their own service, right? So, yeah, I thought this was really interesting, and the, the question came up on the call around, you know, is this the type of thing where, you know, Gigapower would entertain other direct competitors to AT&T as folks that would buy, you know, fiber service through them. And they said, yes. So it's interesting if you think about, you know, kind of AT&T operates fiber inside of their ILEC footprint and this gigapower now gives them the ability to also sell fiber outside of that footprint. You know, Verizon's in the same, same boat in terms of, you know, they operate Fios inside their footprint. Gigapower could be a way potentially for them. You know, the gigapower is not ruling out working with Verizon. As that's concerned, T-Mobile or Google or Don and Rogers Fiber Endeavor, right? Right, and the point that they made is that by building this kind of wholesale backbone, they're actually increasing competition, right? Because you could have multiple ISPs in a given market that are using the same fiber infrastructure, but that compete can compete on price or package or, or services or whatever, right? And and that within the context of bead and and a lot of that public money that's out there for building out things like this, they think that it'll be very attractive for municipalities and other other areas that are looking to expand the idea that they don't have to go with one provider. They can actually have a basket of providers riding on this backbone. Yeah, and and so it's this brings competition while because it, it doesn't make sense to build five different fiber networks. But it makes a lot of sense to build one and then have multiple tenants on it, right? And so they're going to build out one and a half million customer locations by, by 2025. Yeah, by 2025, right? They have a they have a deployment in Mesa, which is basically Phoenix. They're going also to Chandler and Gilbert in Arizona. They are picking neighborhoods in. In Las Vegas, they're doing northeastern Pennsylvania and like Wilkes Bar and Scranton. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but 
Joe Biden was born in Scranton, right? And then there are parts of Alabama and Florida that are outside AT&T's ILEC area. So Gigapower is active outside. And what's really interesting is so they're picking like beachheads in in markets where there is no current fiber provider that are economically on the upswing. And I'm sure people are delighted in Wilkes-Barre and Scranton that Northeast Pennsylvania is on the upswing to hear that, but and parts of Alabama. So and then they're gonna branch out from that because you know, one and a half million customer locations, that's like if you build out all of Tampa. Right, but that's not what they want to do. They they want to show a, co- a, a case in different areas in town, and then once they made their proof case, go back to the financial markets and and get more money and build out more and and branch out both new markets and and probably the existing markets. So it's a it's a clever way to do this, and you know I think for AT and T it's it's using other people's money to to expand outside their own footprint. Well, I know one thing that that we've heard from the AT&T Investor Day is that you know where they have fiber, they also do much better in terms of wireless, right? I think the the quote was where where fiber goes, wireless follows, right? And so to the extent, you know, going coming back to convergence, right? To the extent that, you know, this gives AT&T the ability to sell those bundles outside of their ILEC footprint, which we know drives drives their wireless penetration quite a bit up, uh, I think it's a good move. And, and to your point, it's, it's a CapEx-friendly way of doing it as well. Yeah, and Bill Hogue, who is the CEO of Gigapower, I think is going to come onto our podcast in the next in the next few weeks. We're trying to find a spot in his calendar, and then Bill can tell us a lot more, and I'm really looking forward to that. But yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, that's all we have time for this week. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you then. Bye.